near-death experience. As I was traveling, like, into the space of eternity, I was so pissed. I'm probably the only spirit to make it to heaven and actually be mad. I was like, what? I'm wrong? Because, you know, in my life, I was a devout atheist. Hi, Betty. Thanks for joining me. I heard you had a near-death experience or a near-death type experience. Uh, could you share it with us, please? Yes, I can. Thanks so much for having me. I'm totally stoked to be here. Um, I grew up in a really chaotic, dysfunctional home. Every sort of trauma that you could imagine happened in my household. And so I turned to using illicit substances at a very young age to deal with all of the discomfort in my life. And my whole family is sort of like this perpetual cycle of addiction and poverty and trauma. I experienced a really traumatic loss in my life at a very young age. My parents, who were both very immersed in their addiction, made a decision to end their lives together. And I was 23 when that happened. My sister was 18. We found them. It was, I mean, there's just no words for what something like that is like. But in that moment, my addiction became my parent. And I decided that I would no longer be a victim to my circumstance. Now I would be the perpetrator in people's lives. And so that's what I did. I lived my life causing lots and lots of harm. And it progressed over the course of my life. I ended up having this near-death-like experience. I overdosed and I was taken to the space of eternity in a non-physical realm, in blinding white light, enveloped in unconditional love, the same space that near-death experiencers describe. And I was guided into this space by loved ones I had crossed over. I had a boyfriend who had recently passed away. He was there to greet me. My father greeted me, and as I was traveling into the space of eternity, I was so pissed. I'm probably the only spirit to make it to heaven and actually be mad. I was like, what? I'm wrong? Because, you know, in my life, I was a devout atheist. There had been so much dense energy that had happened to me in my life. There was no way that I was going to believe in a creator that would allow all those things to happen to me. And so I just stayed hidden from God, source, the universe, because it was just easier. And so when I made my way into this space, I was told that I was a divine uh, spiritual warrior, that I had chosen to come to earth and to live this life, and that I had chosen all of the adversity that I had experienced. The first part of my life was like boot camp, and the second part of my life would be carrying out the mission, and that I had to come back to earth to do that. And I was like, oh, I'm not going back. You know, like being in that space of eternity was the first time that I ever felt whole. My whole life, all of these experiences had happened to me that just kept fracturing me into these little shards of glass. Like every piece of me was so broken. And when I entered the space of eternity, it was like this amazing glue that just made me into this beautiful mosaic. And I was finally whole and complete and there was no way that I was returning. And I said, I'm gonna grab my pajamas and a bowl of popcorn. I'll watch the show from up here. No way, you cannot make me go back. I will not go back. And they said, okay, let us take you through the, the details of your pre-birth plan. It'll probably help you get through the rest of your life because you're going back. So they took me, it looked a lot like a video game in my mind's eye, which could have a lot to do with the generation that I was born in. So this man presented himself to me. He was wearing a plaid blazer and a fedora, and we were inside of a grocery store, and we had an empty grocery cart, and he said, pick your life. 
on the walls of the grocery aisles, it looked like there were these cereal boxes and every cereal box had a like experience on it. And I just remember like being this little orb of light and I was like, well, if I'm going to earth, I'm going to earth. And I just start grabbing every cereal box I can get my figurative hands on. There's no body there, but, and I just start throwing everything into the cart and you know, like just the densest experiences. And so many of them, my soul is like this, you know, this script writer who has like no limits, like, okay, we're gonna experience all of these different things. And then there were also things in the cart that I hadn't gotten to in my life yet, like recovery and overcoming and being a teacher and spiritual awakening and just all of these things that seemed really positive and beautiful. And so after they showed me the scene, you know, like it was as if two tons of bondage had been released from my body. You know, I was no longer a victim to my circumstance. I was actually a divine co-creator of my experience. Things had no longer happened to me. They had happened for me because on some soul level, I had chosen it for the evolvement of myself. I understood what was going on and I thanked them for showing me like the very intricate part of my, you know, pre-life plan and still absolutely refused to go back. And they said, listen, you have not balanced your life yet. You signed up for a mission and you have to complete it. So you don't have to go back into her, but you do have to go back. And so we'll show you the baby that you'll be born into if you choose not to go back into this life. And so they showed me this beautiful baby. They showed me everything about her, where she would be born, her ethnicity, her parents, her adversity, what her purpose would be, her mission all of the things that she'd have to go through in her life to get there. And because I hadn't balanced my own life yet, this baby was going to experience many of the things that I had already experienced. And I thought, oh man, there's no way that I can start from zero. If I, if this is my, if these are my only options, I guess I'll go back into her. And it wasn't like a punishment. It wasn't like, we, we're making you go back. It was like, listen, you signed up for something. You have to complete it. And so these are your options for completion. There's no way to not complete what you signed up for. I kind of likened it to like being on a roller coaster. You can't hop off the ride halfway through. You gotta just complete the ride. So I, I found my awareness sifting back into my body. And I remember very distinctly them saying like, trust us, the second part of your life will not be nearly as challenging as the first. And I just said, I do not trust you. <laughs> I sifted back into my awareness and, you know, I just wrote my experience off as drug-induced psychosis. All that I knew was that I took a bunch of drugs and then I thought I was talking to God, you know? And I just thought like, whoa, that was nuts. Like, I'll never be that messed up again. And, and that's it, you know? And then the universe, source, my angels, guides, my higher power stepped in in this very loud, tangible way to let me know that my experience was a true one and that I had to get onto a different path. Uh, and, and begin to complete my soul's mission. So all of these divine synchronicities started to take place in my life. Like all of my dealers that I had been dealing with for over a decade, all simultaneously decided to change their lives and stop selling. And I was like, this is crazy. Like I'd call up one guy, he'd be like, listen, I found Jesus. I wanna be a good dad, like I'm out of the wow. game. And I'm like, okay, bye, click, you know call up the next guy, same story, but they did not know each other. It was bizarre. So now I had no way to get what I needed. And, um, you know, I had a physical dependency to certain substances. And so I found myself on day three of withdrawal and I was so sick and I was welcoming death. 
I felt like my bones were on fire, like my skin was made of broken glass. I was sweating, chills, sick all over myself. And I had this thought and I said, man, I couldn't eat myself if I wanted to because I'm so sick right now that I can't even get out of this bed to figure out a way to do that. And right then I heard a voice and it told me that I could request what I wanted fixed. And I was like in the throes of desperation. So I was like, okay, strange voice. <laughs> I want to no longer be physically dependent on this substance. And so they told me to lay back, count backwards from 10. And I saw these two little men appear in my mind's eye. They were wearing white lab coats and they had little lawn mowers in front of them. And they started walking through each crevice of my mind. And as they walked through the crevices of my mind, I felt these intense, hot tingles. And I just knew that something magical, something mysterious was taking place. And after they finished walking through the map of my mind, I felt a plunger on the crown of my head. And, uh, and then in this bright white flash, I was instantaneously healed out of day three of withdrawal. And I'm like, if you don't have any experience with what that's like, it's what they depict in films. I mean, like, it's brutal. It's tragic. It's why so many people stay tethered to substances for so long, because the pain is unbearable. So one moment before I'm writhing in pain, the next moment I'm completely healed and well. I jump out of bed. I'm crying out to the universe. I'm on my knees. I'm saying, I can't believe this is happening. How is this happening? I don't believe in this. Like you could not have picked a more unworthy subject to bestow this kind of grace on. And so then, you know, my path started to unfold and it became clear to me what I was supposed to do. Uh, at first I thought I was supposed to go out and share the good news. And I thought that I could heal people with just my hands. And so I was like running around New York city, like laying hands on homeless people. I'm like, I can heal you. It, it was insane. I feel so bad for everyone that I encountered in that time. But after that, like when it started to sort of the dust started to settle a little bit, I found myself on a train. I had no destination. And this man appeared across from me and he was wearing a 12 step fellowship necklace. And I heard a voice and it said, that's your path. Follow him to a meeting. And that was on June 1st, 2019, which is about two months after my spiritual experience in heaven. And, you know, I, that's, I started my path into recovery I, through some more divine signs and synchronicities. I found myself in a long-term rehab completely against my will. I did not want to do this. I did not want transformation. I did not want to have to learn everything, um, you know, like from the ground up. I had no idea how to do any part of life without using first. And in that long-term rehab, I ended up staying there for 17 months. I know, totally psychotic. I didn't have access to the internet or a cell phone for a year and a half. That's an accomplishment. Uh, so while I was there, you know, I had this insatiable thirst for knowledge. And so I had to get all my information out of books. It felt totally archaic. I felt like a caveman, but I learned so much. I read every sacred text. I read everything I could get my hands on about metaphysics and the law of attraction and I began to manifest my reality. They let me go to school while I was there. I have a job in the recovery field today, and my whole job is just self-disclosure. I say, hey, I'm in recovery. If I can do it, you can do it. And they pay me money for that. It's bizarre. <laughs> um, and you know, my whole life has really transformed in such a huge way. And I found my way to beautiful spiritual communities because I knew that that was part of my mission was to find my people. 
And so I just set intention and I asked the universe, I said, please send me my tribe. I know that they're here somewhere in all of my communities manifest. I belong to 12-step fellowship. That's a spiritual program. I, I also study the Baha'i faith, um, which is a beautiful, sacred. I love their scriptures so much. It resonates so much for me. They believe in all manifestations of God. And I'm not a Baha'i. You don't have to be a Baha'i to like get into the scripture. I also study A Course in Miracles, which is a metaphysical text channeled by Jesus. It's a reprogramming. And that's a big part of my life as well. I have a wonderful Course in Miracles community. And I belong to a group for near-death experiencers and spiritual experiencers on the IONS platform. And that's really changed my life. Going to our online sharing groups has given me so much language for my experience. And, you know, I think the really big takeaway for me was that something is happening on a grand level. Like I would not have been awoken otherwise. And the information that I was downloaded with in my experience was very loud and clear. We are in the midst of the great awakening this is the most exciting time to be on Earth. We've all signed up for to be here for Earth's ascension. We're here to transmute negative energy, to shift the collective consciousness from a level of third dimensional thinking to fifth dimensional thinking, which means from going to, from ego-centered thinking to God-centered thinking. And yeah, it's supposed to be a wild ride. And I'm really grateful that I was able to share my experience with you today. Thanks for staying so present for it. Oh, thank you. Uh, you said in your experience, maybe I missed it, but you said you were there against your will in rehab. How, what do you mean? I mean, like it really, not against my will. I mean, well, sort of, it really felt like there was a hand pushing me through the door. You know, like I did not want recovery. They were asking me to let go of the only life I had ever known and the only version of myself I had ever known. I don't know what, I didn't know what I was going to be like not using. And so it just really felt like so forced, you know, but it just, yeah, it, it felt, yeah, like the universe was really pushing me in one direction and one direction only. I was listening to a different interview you did, you did this morning and you were talking about how they made you uh, ask for help to open the refrigerator. Could you talk about that? Why they, ask, <laughs> yeah. why they make you ask for help? So, okay. So when I was in treatment, you know, they had all of these intense rules. And one of the rules was you have to ask somebody who had been there longer to go into the fridge for you. And I was like, this rule is ridiculous. I'm a grown woman. I know how to use a refrigerator. But it wasn't about the fridge. It was about asking for help. This community helped me get into the practice of asking others to assist me on my journey with everything. And so because I have that practice in my life, I don't fear asking for help today. And not only asking other people for help, but also asking my higher power for help. I can ask source for anything at any given moment because I've gotten into the practice of doing that. Yeah, I love that. It gives me the chills. Um, what do you wish more people knew? Oh, wow. I wish, uh, well, I think everybody's on their own journey, so I don't want to like wish no. things upon people, but I will say that your thoughts truly do shape your reality. My thoughts before were, I'm impoverished, I'm addicted, I have to do devious things to make money, I'm a liar, manipulator, thief. And so that was my reality. Today, my thoughts are different. I'm an abundant individual. I'm surrounded by spiritual community. I'm on a spiritual path. Good things come my way. And so that is now my reality, just by switching the thought around. And then what's the one thing that helped you the most, would you say, on your spiritual journey? Spiritual community is definitely the thing that helped me the most on my spiritual journey. Um, and, and then some sacred texts that really stick out for me. A Course in Miracles has been 
just such a huge part of my life. At first, I thought that it was a handbook for the recently deceased. I was like, oh yeah, it's very challenging to read. It reads like stereo instructions. You need like a caseworker to help you get through it. Um, and so, but that text really, really has changed my life in such a profound way. Letting me know that I live inside of a dream. This is an illusion and that it can be a nightmare or it can be a happy dream. And that's all up to my thought forms. How can people connect with you if they want to connect with you? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. My handle on everything is Buddha Betty. And um, I'm, I'll put my email in the liner notes of the of this episode as well. Um, I would love to connect, you know, especially if you're if you're dealing with something with addiction and you need support, there's so much help out there. Um, if you're having a hard time integrating your spiritual experience, please reach out to me. I, I've found so many wonderful communities that helped me integrate my own experience. And um, yeah, I'm willing to connect with anybody. Hey, thank you for watching. Uh, if you want to know what video to watch next, I would suggest this one. This seems March 23rd, 2019, which is the beginning of the season of Aries, which is the symbol of rebirth. And I experienced a drug overdose. I had been using drugs my whole life for over 20 years and I ended up overdosing and I experienced the space of eternity. Uh, so I'll take you through what that was like. It was actually very physically, it was like very physical in my body. Uh, I have some language for it today. I've heard it described as a kundalini awakening. And if you don't know what kundalini energy is, that's okay, neither did I. So kundalini energy is described as life force energy. So we have some chakras in our system. And what happened during my experience was that all of my chakras were opened and awakened. And as my third eye and my crown chakra opened, my spirit left my body and went into the space of eternity. There was a voice that guided me through. It was a masculine voice. And then it sort of morphed into every masculine energy that I've ever encountered in my life. So my father presented himself and he had died 11 years before. And I had a boyfriend that had passed away a few years before my experience. His voice also guided me through this space. And I was taken through the vibration of unconditional love. Not only was I taken through the vibration of unconditional love, but I was also taken through the vibration of despair, darkness, grief, fear. But my experience remained in unconditional love as I went through the entirety of my experience. So I, yeah, I found myself sort of in a space where I felt like I was speaking directly to source. And like I shared, you know, this, this was from a drug overdose. So I was a devout militant atheist before my experience. I didn't believe in anything more. Drugs were my God. They were my higher power. And then I, I just thought, wow, I, I'm so high that I think I'm talking to God. <laughs> you know, that's what it felt like. Uh, and in this space, 
I had asked, you know, the questions of the universe. I said, you know, why, why does earth exist? It really felt like I had woken up from a dream when I found myself in the space of eternity. It felt like I had just woken up and I couldn't remember any of my human life. I could only perceive that I was finally home. And it felt like this great sense of reunion. And I could perceive all of these entities around me. I didn't know who they were, but I knew who they were. Like deep within my soul, I felt like I was home with my family. And I asked so many questions. And one of them was, why, 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 why did I have to go to earth? And the, the answers that I received was, that I'm a spiritual soldier and that I've been sent to earth on a mission to help uplift the consciousness of the planet from a level of third dimensional thinking to fifth dimensional thinking. And my life before my experience was completely immersed in desperation and depravity. And I thought, well, there's no way that I'm, I've been sent to earth to uplift humanity because my life is nothing but darkness and despair. And they told me that the first half of my life was like boot camp, and the second part of my life would be carrying out my mission. And I, I heard them, I understood what they were saying, and I was completely combative. I said, well, you know what? I think I'm done with this whole spiritual army thing. I'm just gonna stay home now. And they said, no, you have to go back. The mission's not complete. You haven't balanced your life. You're here for the most exciting time to be on earth. Earth is going through an ascension process and you're here to be part of it. And I thought, well, there's so many other souls that are on Earth carrying out this mission. I don't need to. I'm just going to grab my PJs and a bowl of popcorn and I'm going to watch the show from up here. And then they took me through my pre-birth planning so that I could see why all of these things had happened to me in my life. So how some people believe in an afterlife, they showed me my life before coming to Earth. And, they, and the way that I perceived it in my mind's eye was that it was like a video game. And there was a man who was guiding me through this process. He was wearing a plaid blazer and a fedora. And I found myself in a grocery store with him. And we had this empty grocery cart and he said, okay, pick your life. And so I saw all of these, they looked like cereal boxes along the wall. And it had all of these different experiences to have on earth. So. You know, as a soul, I thought, well, if I'm going to Earth, I'm definitely going to Earth. And I started picking all of these boxes of adversity. I picked that I wanted to be an addict, that I would have drug addict parents, that I would experience sexual trauma as a small child, that I would be in emotionally, physically, and verbally abusive relationships throughout my life. I saw all the situations that I picked where I would be the perpetrator, I would be the abuser in people's storylines. And I, I, now I'm downloaded with this awareness and I see that I've picked all these things and there's some things in the cart that I haven't gotten to yet in my life, like overcoming and recovery and carrying out my mission and divine soul connections. But I hadn't experienced any of that yet. All that I had experienced was the suffering and the trauma of life. And so now I'm seeing that, you know, I'm no longer a victim to my circumstance. Things have no longer happened to me. They happen for me because on some soul level, I had chosen it for the involvement of myself. And it felt like two tons of bondage was released from my spirit in this moment of being downloaded with this belief.
They showed me the moment as when I, as a soul, picked the other souls that I would have these experiences with. So they showed me just as this beautiful orb of light approaching another orb of light and deciding that this would be the person that would abuse me sexually as a small child. They showed me the situations where I picked the soul that, again, I would be the abuser with and that we had made this contract as souls to carry out these lessons with each other for the involvement of ourselves. And so this was a beautiful belief to be downloaded with, but I still was completely, I rejected the idea of coming back to earth. And it felt like I was standing in front of a, I don't wanna, I, I haven't found better language for it, but for lack of a better term, I was standing in front of a jury. That sounds very condemning. There is no condemnation in eternity but it felt like this table of people or beings and they were flipping through this book and they said, you're just not finished. You have to go back. And again, I like transformed into a small child. I was banging my hands and my feet on the floor. I was crying hysterically saying, I will not go back. Please do not make me go back. You guys do not tell us what earth is actually going to be like. I just can't take anymore. Please don't send me back. And I said, I definitely cannot go back into her. And I could perceive my body outside of myself in this experience. I was in my bathroom. And I said, she's glitched. She needs way too much healing. There's no way that I can handle that. I can't go back into her. And they said, okay, you don't have to go back into her, but you do have to go back. And so we'll show you the baby that you'll be born into. And again, it looked much like a video game. And so they showed me this little 3D avatar, this little 3D avatar, this baby's body. And they showed me everything about her. They showed me her gender, her ethnicity, her adversity, her purpose, the things that she would go through in her life. And I had already gone through just very deep challenges in my life. And this baby had even deeper levels of adversity than myself. And I thought, whoa, there's no way that I can start from zero. And I said, if I have to go back, I guess I'll go back into her. And they said, that's your only choice. Okay, let's do it, you know? And so they sent me back into my body and I found myself back in my awareness. And I just wrote this whole thing off as drug-induced psychosis. Like I said, I had taken an overdose of drugs. And when I woke up, I thought, whoa, that was crazy. I'll never be that messed up ever again. And there were two messages that were very loud and clear in my experience. One was you have to go back to earth. And the other was you have to stop using drugs and step onto your mission. And so I, after I came back from my experience, you know, I just continued to live my life the way that I was living it. And then all of these divine synchronicities started to take place in my life to get me on to my soul's path. So like all of the drug dealers that I had been dealing with for over a decade, all simultaneously decided to change their lives and stop selling drugs. People that did not know each other. So now I had no way to get them. And so then I had no way to get drugs. And I found myself in the you know, the, I was the sickest that I had ever been. I was an opiate addict. And so I had a physical dependency to heroin. And, and I also had many mental addictions to lots of other substances as well. And I found myself on day three of heroin withdrawal and I was sicker than I had ever been in my 20 plus years of using opiates. And I had a thought and I, I said to myself, man, 
couldn't even kill myself if I wanted to right now because I'm so sick that I can't even get up out of this bed and figure out a way to kill myself. And right then I heard a voice and it told me to lay back and that I could request what I wanted fixed. And I was in the throes of desperation. So I heard some random voice in my head and I said, okay, voice, I'll listen to you. This is what I want fixed. I want to no longer be physically dependent on heroin. I didn't say that I wanted to be rid of my drug addiction because I still definitely wanted to use other drugs. I just didn't want to have this physical dependency to this one substance. And so I laid back in my bed and they instructed me to count down from 10. And as I counted down, I saw these two men appear in my mind's eye. They were these little white bald men. They were wearing lab coats and they had these bulbous noses. And then all of a sudden these lawnmowers manifested in front of them. And they were kind of shaking up and down from the lawnmowers being in front of them. And I watched these two little men go through every crevice of my mind. And as they walked through the valleys of my mind, I felt these intense hot tingles taking over my entire, my entire head. And I knew that in this moment, I must be getting healed. And so at, when they were finished walking through my mind, I felt this palm go onto my forehead and it felt like somebody had written X's across my forehead as well. And then in this bright white flash, I was instantaneously healed out of day three of heroin withdrawal. I mean, like moments before, I was so sick. I was sick all over myself. I was sweating. My bones felt like they were on fire. I was writhing in pain. And then in this instant, I was, I was no longer sick. I could jump out of bed. I was able to walk. I was able to scream. I was able to cry. It was so divine. And I knew then that the experience that I had in my overdose was not some sort of drug-induced hallucination. It was a true experience. And my path became crystal clear after that. And I found myself on a train. I had no destination. And a man appeared across from me and he was wearing a 12-step fellowship necklace. And I heard a voice in my head and it said, that's your path, follow him to a meeting. And I went to a few more meetings over the next couple of days and I found myself in a meeting in a sea of 70 people. And I had a thought while I was there and I thought, oh man, I don't know how to be a human. I, I don't have any idea what's happening to me. I don't have any idea how to be a regular person without using drugs. I don't know what to do. And I heard a voice again and it told me to turn my head to the right and sitting two seats away from me was the program director of a long-term therapeutic community, a long-term rehab here in Brooklyn where I live. So I just had a thought that I didn't know how to be a person. And then I find myself sitting two seats away from a woman whose life's purpose, passion, and profession is teaching women how to be women again after the use of drugs and alcohol. And so I knew that it was another divine sign, but I didn't know how to ask a stranger for help. And so I was psyching myself up for the rest of the meeting. I was like punching the air. I was like, you can do this. Come on, you're gonna live a new life. And so I got myself all worked up and the meeting ended and I walked over to where she was and she was gone. She left the meeting early and I felt totally defeated. So with my head hanging, I walked myself to the bus to go home. And when I stepped onto the bus, that woman was sitting right there. 
She left the meeting early and was somehow on the exact same bus as me. And I ran up to her totally manic and I said, oh my God, this is totally divine. I want to talk to you inside, but you're already gone. Now here you are. I think that you might be an angel. You're sent to earth. You're here for me. Will you help me? I think you're supposed to help me. And she looked at me so calm and she said, we can help you. We have a bed. Come by tomorrow. And that sentence changed my whole life without my permission. And so I went to that program the very next day with just the clothes on my back. I didn't take anything from my old life. There was nothing left to take. I hadn't paid my rent in over two years because drugs were just more important. I was about to lose my apartment and I started my journey. And a big part of my spiritual integration process has been becoming a, you know, a member of 12-step community, being in long-term recovery from my drug addiction and the other addictions that manifested my life. And I went to school while I was there. I stayed there for 17 months, which is like totally psychotic. It's a very, very long time to be disconnected from the world, but I really needed space. I didn't understand what had happened to me in my spiritual experience. And again, I didn't really know how to be a person without using. So I spent a long time there integrating. I read every sacred text that I could get my hands on. I studied everything that I could about metaphysics and the law of attraction and I began to manifest my reality. And I just started with small things at first, like I'm gonna see a blue ball today. And then they would take us out to play handball and it was something that they had never done before. And so I had the opportunity to go to school while I was there and I went to school to become a recovery coach. I have a job in the recovery field today, which is a, a wild sentence to say and it's such a transformation. In my life before I was immersed in sex work and not only would I, you know, do that for myself, but I would also manipulate other women and have them do sex work with me so that I could make money from my own addiction. And today I have this amazing opportunity to make a universal amends and I assist women on their healing journeys today. And it's more than I ever could have thought for myself. And in the whole process of integration and figuring out how to manifest my reality and knowing that I truly am on a divine mission to uplift the consciousness of the planet, I do that just by being myself. I'm not out to teach or preach or proselytize. All I have to do is just be a shining example that transformation is not only possible, but I think it might be inevitable. You know, like I didn't realize that I was a caterpillar before and I was meant to turn into this butterfly. And I often wonder if caterpillars know that one day they'll become a butterfly. And my journey into spiritual awakening and spiritual awareness has been completely divine. And I've, I'm, now my whole world is immersed in community spiritual community. I belong to 12-step fellowship. I study A Course in Miracles. I study the Baha'i faith and I belong for a group. I belong to a group for near-death experiencers and spiritual experiencers on the IONS platform. And my whole world has just become immersed in spirituality and spiritual development and holding space for other experiencers. And I think the main message of what I came back with from my experience is that there really truly is no condemnation. You know, when I entered the space of eternity, I was an atheist, I was a drug addict, I was a sex worker, I was homeless, you know, I was a victim to every circumstance in my life. And since coming into awareness, everything in my life has changed. I'm a devout believer in long-term recovery. I have a career in the recovery field today. I have a wonderful home. I have a community of people that support me that I support as well. And my life is so profoundly different. 
And if that can happen for me, it can literally happen for anybody. There are no words in the human language to describe to you what kind of depraved animal I was in active addiction and before this spiritual experience, but it's not the person that's sitting here today. And I'm very grateful to be able to share my story with you.